not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with you. Hello and welcome back to the Get Real podcast, the podcast where we get real about all your favourite pop culture films and TV shows. And this is the last Star Wars episode about the films, anyway. We're going to cover the spin-off films, and with me, as always, is my scruffy-looking nerf herder of a co-host, Sam. Not another Star Wars film, Chris. (laughs) Two more Star Wars films. We've done so many Star Wars films. On top of that, you've been watching the Clone Wars series. And playing Fallen Order. I am peak star wars right now like the month of may has just totally drained me from star wars i don't may the 4th through to may the 21st (laughs) yeah literally i don't think i'm gonna watch another saga film for like at least another two or three months now i don't think i need to watch it it's just so much things have just been stressful at work and stuff like that and then just like having to watch rogue one and solo as well i was like whoof so yeah, we watched Rogue One and Solo, therefore we're covering off the spin-offs. It's just me and you this week, Chris. It's no there's it no is. guests. Does it feel a little bit lonely in the chat? It does. It feels like I'm not trying to talk over anybody now. I can just talk <laughs> over you and just disregard everything you're saying instead of having to disregard what two people are saying now. So uh, uh, yeah. Do you know what I realized is I forgot to think about our mat rankings as well we need to think about that do we want to rank them at the top of this episode or at the end no i think i still need more time to think about it okay i've I've really gave it some thought but i don't think it's quite there yet i need to finesse my ranking a little bit more on you know there's a lot to do a pros and cons list is what it is yeah and then (laughs) we'll we'll rate them and then you can listen to the podcast based off that yeah yeah yeah. go check it out though they've been great to have on over the last three episodes at an earful it's been really fun your eyes don't deceive you. All three of their names were Matt, so yeah, <laughs> Matt, Matt, and Matty. Right? Uh, should we just get straight into it, Chris? Should we start? I just realised about... how northern we sounded as well when we were like Matt, Matt, Matt. Isn't it like like it doesn't have a T in there anyway? It's yeah. not Matt. You don't it's pronounce Matt. your T's in the uh, in the north of England, it's do you? It's Matt, Matt. <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. Let's jump into it. Right. No, wait, no, we don't have that in these films. Okay, we're talking about Rogue One. Yeah. Talking about Rogue One. What's the call sign? Rogue. Rogue One. It had to be in there, didn't it? I think I've noticed, like, there's a bit of a lackluster of Star Wars films that actually pronounce the name of it. I mean, you get it in The Last Jedi. (laughs) You don't don't get it in bloody Revenge of the Sith. You don't get Yoda saying... Revenge of the Sith there is, or anything like that, do you? <laughs> you want to be Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen when they say the name of the thing and the thing. It's so on the nose in these two yeah. films, it's crazy. I, but like I think said, one yeah. does it much better than the other, and we'll get into that. Okay. Um, it is weird not having an opening crawl when I watch these films, though. Like I forgot that they didn't have opening crawls, because they still say a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then it was just like Rogue One, it just sort of just like... yeah like it's a bit of a jump scare at the beginning it doesn't feel like you're watching a star wars film it's like almost like you've switched the channel on your tv isn't it it's weird yeah Uh, what's your thoughts on having spin-off films for star wars anyway when they announced it i was like this sounds really cool but like i hope they're very much their own thing which turns out they are very much their own thing and like my first note here is they feel very different to the other star wars films like they've yeah. each got like their own distinct look and style like it's not something that you've 
seen anything like in the other Star Wars films. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I felt like, particularly with Rogue One at the beginning anyway, it feels a lot more real and grounded. Mm. It doesn't feel like it's trying to shove like humor in your face straight away. or it-, it feels a lot less Disney than what the saga films felt like that we had, especially after we've just watched those three. You know what I mean? It's such a different yeah. vibe. But I think it's cool because I really like the amount um, that both Rogue One and Solo add in terms of like the world building and stuff to the Star Wars yeah. films. There's a lot of that. You get to see a lot of parts of that whole universe and stuff that you don't usually see in your saga films because it's trying to follow such a a static plot in a sense where this yeah, is yeah. yeah this is like bouncing between it's you know bringing in fresh characters and stuff so you, you're seeing a lot more just from like the first shots like so we go down to the planet don't we that galen urso's on yeah straight away it just feels and looks totally different like the color palette is dark it's muted you can tell you're in for a different tone of film it's the weirdest looking ring of saturn i've ever seen at the beginning of that film (laughs) they clearly shot that on like a realistic environment as well like i know a lot of the sweeping shots in star wars films are all cgi like most of us especially if you're into photography straight away you're like that's fucking iceland <laughs> yeah straight <laughs> like away. if you've ever seen an image of iceland you know that you were staring at iceland just then it felt tactile it looked tactile like the color palette was like natural for like that sort of place and everything like everything felt more real it didn't feel heightened like star wars normally does mm. so i mean while we're at the top of this do you want to talk about the cast a bit now because i think both of these films have actually got a pretty incredible cast as well we'll just talk about rogue ones for now i think rogue one's cast is better yeah i think solo's cast is great and there's a few standouts especially in there but rogue one on the whole like i don't think they hired a single duff actor yeah for sure no um (laughs) i was just like (laughs) i was expecting you to carry that on then (laughs) no yeah like got felicity jones in the main role oscar winning i think actress uh you've got um diego luna which I haven't really seen him in much, but whenever I do see him, he is pretty damn good. Have you not seen him in Narcos Mexico? No, I haven't seen that yet. He's very good in that. He's actually really The only really other cool. thing that I remember seeing him in is The Terminal with Tom Hanks. Oh, uh, yeah, he was in that, wasn't he? He was in he was that. Me. He was also in Flatliners, the 2017 Yeah, that's one. what... Yeah, no, nah, I haven't bothered that. <laughs> and he was also in Elysium, which I don't really remember. I've not seen that Elysium. either. Nah. <laughs> he was in there. That was one of those films where I was just there like... Weirdly enough, he did the Flatliners remake after Rogue One Star Wars story. I can't believe how old Rogue One is now. It's four years old. I haven't watched this film in quite... Actually, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. I watched it at the beginning of the year when I was doing my Star Wars rewatch with Charlotte. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> but like on. I forget, I forget about this film all the time. And then when I watch it, I'm like, this is a pretty decent film. This. Mm. <laughs> and then continue on with your cast. You've got Ben Mendelsohn, Ben Mendo, 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 absolutely iconic as Orson Krennic. Yes. Mads Mikkelsen is in oh. this film. Whoever thought we'd get Mads Mikkelsen in a Star Wars film before this? Do you know what? I feel like I wish we had more of him. But if we had more of him then he probably would have been a bit overpowering for it. Mads Mikkelsen, like, whenever he's on screen, he is the only person you're looking at on screen. Yeah, he's genuinely a really good character in this as well. Like, I really enjoyed him in this. It's nice seeing him play the good guy as well. Playing the good guy? Well, 
Well, yeah, because like whenever I see Mads Mikkelsen, he's normally playing the villain in something like Bond or something like that. You know what? I'm, you're saying Mads Mikkelsen, <laughs> and I'm looking. You were at, thinking of Bendo Mendo, and I'm looking at Bendo Mendo. <laughs> looking at a photo of Bendo. God's <laughs> sake! Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say no. That's yeah. the same guy that was the villain in Ready Player One, and I was I was getting all confused. <laughs> ben Mendelsohn's taken up that position now. Like he just plays a villain in everything. And you got Forrest Whitaker. Are we going to talk about this right now? I think he was the biggest wasted character in this film. Yeah, I think he was. He was a and bit. I, I think especially now that I've been watching the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Like I feel like they really did not understand his character. Well, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this in a yeah. bit. And then anyway, finishing off the cast list, we've got Riz Ahmed and Alan Tudyk. And we were at the Star Wars celebration for this as well. Yeah. So we got to see all these guys on stage together. Like, that was a moment, wasn't it? Like when they unveiled the, the trailer and everything, it was the big, long behind the scenes trailer and everything. We got the first look at the Shore Troopers, like that amazing shot off the coast of Sri Lanka with the storm in the distance and everything. Mm-hmm. I can still see my poster right now. It's up above me. Yeah, we got, we, we got those uh, exclusive posters, didn't we? Just a like, weird flex but okay moment. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars loves a good poncho, doesn't it? Let's just get straight into it. I know Poncho talk. Yeah, like when you get Bendo Mendo landing on the planet and he's uh, confronting old Galen Erso. That's the f- like the first thing that I noted down because Fallen Order makes such a thing out of ponchos. Ray's got a poncho. <laughs> you know, on Bendo's Fallen Order, I never wear a poncho because I think they look dog shit. So I always take <sighs> them off. Such a- oh, you know what? No, I think the poncho on Fallen Order actually looks pretty cool on him. Nah, I don't like it. Oh. They don't have Also, the physics fuck up on it too much, so it just glitches out, so I just take it off. They go from ponchos to snow coats. That's literally yeah. what they have. They don't have anything in the middle. Just get a rain yeah. mac. What are you doing? Get a little <laughs> fold-up one, what? put it in your pocket. <laughs> one of those free ones that you get when you go on like Oblivion or some shit. Alton yeah. <laughs> Towers or somewhere. I think Krennic's outfit in this is one of my favourite outfits from Star Wars. You can tell everything about this fucking guy just by his outfit. And, like, even when he stood in a room with his peers and stuff like that, and he just fucking stands out, that white cape thing that just, like, comes over his shoulders. It's so so fucking cool. I think the fact that we were able to see, like, a physical version of it as well, like, it just feels so tactile, like, when you see it on screen and everything. It looks great. Versus those CGI capes. Could you imagine if they wasted the time putting a CGI cape on Krennic? You mean like Justice League? Well, I mean, it's a bit different putting one on Superman ver- Batman versus putting one on director Krennic. <laughs> no, but like the whole outfit, just the yeah, profile yeah, that yeah, it makes. Yeah. Oh, so good. I think it goes with the ego of his character a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm. He stands out in this white outfit. And I remember when the trailer first came out for this and you had that shot of Krennic that didn't make it into the film alongside a lot of other stuff because of all the problems. Oh, where he stood in front of like the blueprints for the Death Star type thing. No, there's a bit where he's walking and it's a backward shot and he's got his cape and he's walking through the water on Scarif. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of stuff we didn't get in this film because it had a lot of issues, didn't it? So. That, that we'll get into that once we've talked. Well, I'm sure people know about the the issues that it had four years down the line. I'll ask you at the end of it, once we've talked about it and we've shared our opinions, I'll ask you some questions about what version of this. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you a quick question then. Go on then. Uh, so we have Death Troopers in this, don't we? Rad. Which is just like the coolest Empire Trooper, period. 
So, aside from Death Troopers, because they clearly take the number one spot, what's your favourite um, Storm or Clone Trooper? I think for design, like, you don't really see them, but the Sith Troopers look fucking rad as well. The red ones? Those, yeah. They're pretty like, cool. They, we barely got to see them in Rise of Skywalker, but they looked fucking sick. Yeah, they were underplayed. Um, Definitely underplayed. Also, Arc Troopers type thing from the yeah. Clones. Yeah, Looked that'd be my cool. number one, the Ark Troopers. While we're on the topic of it, both Rogue One and Solo do a really good job of making Stormtroopers look wicked. I'd say yeah. questionably... And more realistic w- as well. Yeah, more wicked than what Clone Troopers look in the saga films and more cool than what the First Order Troopers looked. Like, such a variety of them, from the Death Troopers to the Range Troopers in Solo to the Mud Troopers... You've just got mm. this really cool-looking, well-thought-out... It's like a thing of the spin-off films, isn't it? So, yeah, it's like, oh, what new troopers are we going to get in this? Because I think the first ones we saw were the Scarif Shore Troopers yeah, and the Tank Troopers from Rogue One, didn't we? And then in the, the second trailer, I think it was, we got the reveal of the Death Troopers, which just looked fucking baller. Well, there was that shot of that Death Trooper holding the toy Stormtrooper doll that was in the trailer that all the uh, promo images that just looked wicked when i remember yeah. this coming out so yep cool death yeah, troopers yeah, yeah. are the definitively cool <laughs> trooper yeah when they're running after um Genoso, they do look weird when they're running well they but are I like all stormtroopers look weird when they're running they are like seven <laughs> foot as well in yeah, canon, they're like so. seven foot tall. They look weirdly skinnier than the others. The armor on the legs just doesn't look right as soon as they, uh, they start like moving pretty quick. Oh, by the way, yeah, I, I do agree. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy-esque planet intros, and I think they should be a thing in the spin-off films if we get future ones. And I think for nerds like us, like, we want to know where things take place because you want to find the hidden links between planets and stuff. Yeah, it takes two seconds. Like, Obviously yeah. not in the design of it and doing it, but it takes two seconds of screen time, so why the hell yeah. not? Disney loves dead parents. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Disney have had hold of Star Wars for what this was the second film to come out and how many dead parents have we got already <laughs> uh well i mean if you count anakin as one technically no he was already dead before they got their hands on the franchise you had han yeah true you had leia uh, you had ray's parents later leia wasn't dead at that point i mean up till rogue one so we'd only had two films and we've already got both of jin's parents dead han's dead and ray's parents are dead all your protagonists have got dead parents because disney loves dead parents Nothing builds character like being an orphan. I'd assume Poe Dameron's parents might be dead at this point, and Finn's, par- Finn's parents are definitely dead, let's be honest. Yeah, Finn's planet was just, like, executed and the kids taken to be troopers. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yes. So, did you know that the guy that Cassian speaks to in this bit, he's quite a famous British actor, the guy who gives yeah, him the information. Yeah, does a load of TV. Yeah, Daniel Mays. Uh, he's in 1917 as well. He is. Line yep. Duty. He's he's cool, man. I've not watched White Lines that he's just done yet on Netflix, so that's meant to be really good. Um, he is a good actor. Like I remember when we saw this in the cinema, I was like, oh, it's him. Like I was like, oh, yeah, he's nice one of little them. break for him. Like you recognize is... him, but you like yeah. have to take a second to remember where you recognize him from, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So it was like him and the guy that plays Luther's sidekick. Like, they always just pop up in British films. Also, the guy that played Luther's sidekick went our high school. 
Really? We'll talk about that another time. Like, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he went out of high school. Okay, right. We're going to, I'm going to leave a little note for that because we're definitely going to talk about that later. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, where's Cassian's Disney Plus series then, mate? Where's that up to? <laughs> Well, is it going to take place before or after it gets eradicated by the planet being eviscerated? <laughs> well, hopefully before, because otherwise it's going to be a real lame series. Yeah. Do you reckon they're going to make him a bit more of an anti-hero type thing? Because like, his whole arc in this sort of in this film is like, he's done bad shit for the public. Like, there's no good side in war. And like he just shoots a very scared, injured man in the back. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks for the information. Oh, uh, I'm not going to be able to escape with you, so here, I'll shoot you. <laughs> yeah, imagine if he's the actual bad guy in the Disney Plus series, and that the good. I don't guy. think a bad guy. I think maybe just like an anti-hero type thing. It'd be weird though. It's going to be weird. It's not very Star Wars, is it? To have like, is he going to be like the Star Wars Punisher? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Straight in with the predictions. Nah, I think it, I think he's. Definitely going to be like a hero, but he's going to be like maybe like a Black Widow esque sort of character. Yeah, like a few more undercover missions. Like sometimes he might shoot a few too many people, but that's what the, the rebellion's telling him to do. Mm. They're built on hope, Chris. If you didn't know, yeah, they're built on hope. God damn it! <laughs> Straight after that, it just starts planet hopping for a few minutes. <laughs> like it goes to like a million different planets just to show us where Jinner so is fucking up. Well, to. this is what I mean. I quite like this because, like I said, it's that whole world building thing. It just gives you more of an idea. And by the way, yeah, that... but I also just don't think that they needed to skip around quite as many planets. <laughs> like they've got much? her on a prison planet, and then she's on another planet, which you don't even see the planet. You just see the truck that she's trapped in. Well, you you'd assume it's the same planet. No, it cuts to a different planet, doesn't it? No, it, it it cuts to her on... No, because the the prison isn't actually a planet. It's just a rock with a prison built between it. It's like a space station. I thought that was where Cassian was. Is he on... No, is he on Jeddah at the beginning? Pretty sure. No, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't note down which planet was happening on what, but I didn't mind I don't know, it. but either way, Jin's on like multiple different planets in the two seconds yeah, that we have. It just her. It just helps you... Like get an idea of the center scale for the empire, though it was—it's a bit like the Order sixty six moment in Revenge of the Sith that bounces around a lot of planets, and that's like yeah, one but that—that my... that makes a lot more sense. Whereas, like, I feel like this—we see you're in prison, getting all like moody and stuff in prison, and it feels like there was about to be like a prison break, and then they're like, we don't have the budget or the time frame to do this quick, <laughs> and transport her to a different planet. Like, why is she being transported? prison did like, you feel that way when you first watched it or did you feel like oh that's cool getting to see lots of other planets in star wars yeah when i first watched it i was like okay cool different places but then like i was like it's also very much unnecessary like skipping around so many places it just kind of messes up your sense of timing and everything like that like you need to think she's being transported from one prison i'm gonna guess to a different prison on a different planet a why like she was locked in a super confined space in the middle of space we could do a prison break. Nah, fuck it. Just put on a small armor transport. It just felt stupid. Like, it was just like two minutes of the film that was just there, like... Let me fact check this, and I'll I'll do a quick edit out here. So so you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm wrong because it hops fucking planets that many times. I can't fucking remember where they all were. Because that planet where uh, Cassian is looks more like a prison. So in my memory, I'm like, okay, that's like a space prison. Like, it... Hops three planets. Just, and, yeah, and one of them just, is in the intro of the film. Yeah, but it just hopped around too much. So it hops around two planets. Two planets. All right. Fucking. 
I'm entitled to my opinion. It might be wrong, but it's still my opinion. <laughs> it's all right. I'm just pressing your it's opinion. It's my opinion. That's all it's I'm doing. wrong. It's fine, but it's my opinion. It's all right. You can have your opinion. It's wrong. It's fine. It's fine. You're wrong, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm just pressing it. I'm just pressing your opinion. Your opinion is your opinion, mate. I was stood pressing. there at a table with a mug of coffee saying, change my mind, and you come over to change my mind. I'm like, you've not changed my mind, but you've proven that I'm wrong. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm like a fucking flat earther right now. I know I'm wrong, but I've, I've taken a stand. Right, anyway, K2SO appears on, on Wabani, which is where uh, Jin's being transported from a, a, a other planet, apparently. So K2SO does does his appearance. Um, I felt like K2SO was more than enough humour for the film. I think, like, that was enough. You know what I mean? Like, it had that tone where it was a bit more serious and stuff, and it was obviously trying to get the point of whole rebellion and hope and stuff and plus the humor that they had for him i thought was very well thought out and very good it was mostly physical stuff and just like a bit of a sassy line here or there that like it felt right for his character it didn't feel forced at all like a lot of the other disney jokes feel forced yeah and and like like we said this is a bit more of a darker film um, yeah, yeah, like the spin-off films are a bit darker than the other ones. Yeah, he's questionably um, one of my most favourite droid characters in Star Wars. Period. Yeah, there's a reason why I've got his pop vinyl. He's yeah. pretty cool. I think his design's pretty cool as well. And yeah, the fact that you know it's Alan Tudyk as well. Like, it just makes the jokes land a bit better. Well, I'm glad that they used that design more because they used it in Fallen Order and they made it a bit more of a, a thing, didn't they? Because the Imperials had like very few droids. They didn't really have like protocol droids or stuff as such where this is like a a bit more of a menacing it could take someone out you know what i mean then we flick over and we we i know you love a good flicking over of planets so then we're over to <laughs> yavin 4 so <laughs> yeah uh, with uh, with uh, mon moth moth mon moth moth also bail organa i totally forgot he was in this film jimmy schmidt yeah yeah um, and i think that's the first time in the film that we get the standard star wars theme as well i think the scores used a lot better in this one yeah, I think it's when there's anything to do with the original trilogy mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think everything else has its own score, doesn't it? Plus, I like all the callbacks in this because you have that little callback where that rebel does that tracing thing when the ships take off and land in the tower that's cool and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So It's just like that visual language that we know of, like Yavin 4, like you have certain things that happen on this planet and stuff. It's a place where we've spent time before, so we understand what's going on a bit more. Yeah, like you want to see these little things. Like it makes sense that every ship going in and out, this guy's going to be tracking it and stuff like that, getting the ID codes and stuff. Up in that tower all day, yeah, all day and all night. <laughs> Whereas, like, I think Solo, when it tries to do some of its callbacks, don't work quite as well. Okay, or like, especially like the music. We'll get onto that when we're talking about that. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think okay. Rogue One has the better score. Mm. So you've just watched the Clone Wars, haven't you? So you've yeah. seen Young Saw Gerrera. Uh, yeah. And if you've watched Rebels, he's also in that as well. So, what did you think of? I can't. I think this came after that Rebels season where he appears in it. I'm pretty certain. Any not Rebels, Clone War season anyway. Uh, I was going to say all this has to come after all his animated appearances because he dies in this one. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> what did you think of what they did with him? Because that was something that right. you mentioned earlier. So I don't think I've seen the episode with him in Rebels yet. I actually just started going back and rewatching Rebels from season two because I don't really remember season three. So I was just like, fuck it, I'll start from season two and go back. 
But what I've seen of him in like the Clone Wars and stuff like that, like the entire like personality that he's built up and everything, like he will never give up. He'll he's determined to do anything that he can. Like his views are very much out there. He is an extremist, but he'll do anything and like he doesn't give up on anything. And then we see him and he's just a bit of a weirdo, but he's doing things that like I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine for his character and stuff like that. But he doesn't really doesn't really talk much either and his character in the Clone Wars and stuff is very much like a loudmouth, like he's hot headed and he'll say anything. I don't know if like he's just aged up and like become a bit more reserved and stuff, but the fact that like as soon as the planet's about to explode and stuff, he's just there like Nah, this is my time to die. It just didn't feel like what his character would do. Like his character should go out swinging type thing. Yeah, and I feel like because we know his character changed a lot in the reshoots. I wondered what his character was like before that. You know, he's a bit of an icon for the rebels, isn't he? He was always someone who would push things a little bit too far. He's an extremist, isn't he? Essentially, mm-hmm. is what you get from him in Fallen Order as well, because he appears in that. Yeah, as Forest Worker this time, an yeah. animated Forest Worker, some would say. I think like what we get in. Rogue One is if you take that character who is constantly fighting against the Empire and always going out of his way and obviously he's a big target and he's he's can't rely on the rebellion and he can't rely on the Empire. He's fighting his own battle really. A a guy like that probably would start to show signs of mental instability after so long. Like he's always looking over his shoulder kind of thing. That's why he's probably got such like a a tight little knit gang that he's got of yeah of other yeah, rebels as well bit, yeah because he even says to Jin, doesn't he like have you you know someone sent you here to kill me yeah, or the he rebels sent you anyone. here to he then realizes there's a greater fight to be had in terms of the death star that he's an old man he's missing his legs he has to rely on an oxygen ventilator and stuff or whatever it is or whether it's like drugs or whatever you don't know but probably a beaten guy and he's probably just decided to just call it and that's his kind of going down in a you know in a blaze of glory in a different way i suppose it's i think there's two ways you can look at that but uh, it's yeah, definitely but a, an interesting mm, twist on his character though i get what you're saying it's yeah uh, from what i understood of the character like he had literally just got like a new cause like he's got is essentially his adoptive daughter back that he thought might have been dead and then that he left like, for dead they, by the way yeah that he left for dead yeah. He was like, nah, you were the best one I had. You could handle yourself. <laughs> yeah. I feel like his character, even if he was like thinking of bowing out type thing, he just got the map to destroy the Death Star to defeat the Empire once and for all. Like, that's all he wants to do is get rid of like occupying governments and stuff like that. If you just got information like that, that like you could help take down the entire thing, like, I feel like he would do more about it other than just be like, okay, I'm going to stand mm. in this doorway and wait for death. Suppose he's probably not. <laughs> he's probably not doing anything though, because uh, he's not going out to you know raid the Kybers or anything. He's normally the one orchestrating like uh, the battle plans and the strategic element and stuff. That and that was what I noted in here was like the ground level action that they have on Jeddah, that battle that they have with the tank and everything like that. That's very much what we see he learned in the Clone Wars, like. The fighting styles and everything like that is exactly what he got taught by uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. This character clearly like is the same character. It, I don't know. It just felt weird that he bowed out. So like it was just yeah. Uh, like, I think it's one of those things where he's a very different character to what he was yeah. in there. You can, he, he, obviously you know he, he's a much older guy in this film, yeah. and I know people had split opinions on him because obviously he was a returning character. I think it, I think it was just a bit wasted, like. You have Forrest Whitaker, 
Yeah, but I suppose it's the same parallel that you would make with Luke in the saga films. Like, it's a returning character who would be this person who wants to take down the Empire or whatever, but he doesn't want to get involved with it for the first two films anyway. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it was just a bit more earned with Luke Skywalker. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Similar parallel, though. I don't want to just yeah. thought about that yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Fuck yeah, Donnie Yen! <laughs> well, yeah, but before we get to Donnie Yen, you get Tarkin. Oh, oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we started talking about Sol Guerrero dying. I, no, I forgot where we were up to. Yeah, Tarkin. I think this was pretty damn good. Yeah. Like, th- it's a little bit uncanny valley, but it's mostly around the mouth. Yeah. I think CGI mouths are the hardest thing. I think what helped them with this was all the shadows and stuff in the room. You know how they purposely put like lots of yeah. shadows across Ben Mendelsohn's face and stuff. And then they did that with Tarkin as well. I think that the idea was is to if you put lots of shadows in and then replicate that on a CGI figure, that it yeah. gives you an illusion that it's more realistic. I think for people like us that are, like obviously know who the guy is and we know that he's no longer with us. Because he died, what, back in the 90s, was it? Whereas, I know Rich's girlfriend, like, when we saw it, like, we were all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, what, I don't get it. And he was like, that guy's been dead for, like, 20 years. Like, that's an entire CGI person. And she was like, oh, my God, I couldn't even notice. Like, yeah. I think if you're not looking out for it, then you're not going to notice. But because we knew it, like, we could see, like, the little imperfections. It's normally with the mouth. People move the top lip a bit too much. I think a lot of people had that. I know that when I took, I ended up taking my dad to watch it, and I know he was like pretty shocked at how good Tarkin looked in this. But yeah, I think it's just the mouth. I think it's just one of those things that they struggle to get right with CGI people. Yeah. Um, I think if you if you're not staring at the mouth, or you don't notice. No, you definitely don't. No, other than that, it's, it's pretty much it's spot on. better than the CG layer at the end. Which actually, when I watched it again, I was like, it's not as bad as people were saying no i really don't I think, think it was i never I think thought the cg layer in this was better than the cg layer in rise of skywalker well i i don't think the i don't think either of them are that bad i think the cgi probably on do you mean young layer or old layer in rise of skywalker young layer you only see it for a second when the visor goes up i think it just doesn't fit right in the helmet of the face i personally think some of the cgi on old layer is worse than the CGI on that young layer in Rise of Skywalker. Because they've obviously had to like take a face and edit it onto different bodies and stuff like that for the film. It was yeah. in one of the behind the scenes things and some of it when you like notice it is like proper jarring. Anyway, that's for an episode that we already recorded, Chris. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just Bad CGI. pretend like it was in that episode. So um yeah, uh, you get a couple. I've put Empire flashbacks in here. What Empire flashbacks did we have? Oh, the um, when the when Galen Erso and um, Krennic are in well, like what looks like Coruscant. You know, when there's that oh, before he, it's like before he defects from the Empire. Isn't yeah, it? it's such a small little scene, but I actually really liked it. I'd love to see more kind of post Order sixty six, but before the rise of the Empire stuff, like yeah. especially with like how it changed on Coruscant and stuff. There's probably a comic book set. There's probably the Vader comic probably covers off a lot of that, to be fair. But it just feels like a really interesting point of time. Like, there's a bit in a a Vader comic where, you know, the blue guy who is always with Palpatine in the Senate, 
where yeah, he yeah, like yeah. takes all the lightsabers and like sets them on fire in front of like a crowd in Coruscant. Cool. It's like, oh, it's sick. It's sick. Yeah, I think I think they are really interesting time periods. It's like the Battlefront Two game. I think the end of the prequels and the end of the original trilogy are like really interesting because there's such like you said dynamic shifts in the entire galaxy. It's like shifting over from the Republic to the Empire mm. and them taking control, and then once the Empire crumble and the the new republic resistance uh rebel alliance like forms yeah i think that's probably why the mandalorian is quite an interesting series because of the time that it covers yeah. as well and plus like i want to just mention like as we start to move on with the film and you have that little bit with the tank and stuff while we're mentioning mm-hmm. like the empire there's a bit after they blow up the tank where they're running away where an atst appears in the street fight and I love that modern look of original trilogy stuff. It just looks wicked. Like seeing an yeah. ATST like that, and like I know it's not practical, but kind of in its fully realized glory, in a sense, mm-hmm. it just looks wicked. Yeah, they feel like more of a threat. You understand why the rebels are scared of them a bit more in the original trilogy now, because mm. obviously back then they had to use stop motion and stuff. So stop motion stuff still sometimes has like that clunky feel. Yeah. So I think the fact that they were able to more swiftly move and stuff, it felt like more like how you see them in the video games and stuff like that. It's like the AT-80s at the end. Yeah. The AT-80 that goes to shoot on those rebel troopers. It's like a Godzilla moment. Face of Godzilla looking down on them, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah. mad, yeah. So There's loads of original trilogy nods in this, isn't there? There's a yeah. one straight away where it's like those cantina guys that approach Luke <laughs> in A New Hope. Where yeah, like, the whole mouth and yeah. stuff. He doesn't Big like nose. you. I don't they, like you. They manage to get off that planet just in time, don't they? Yeah, of course they do, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a great little K2SO moment uh, where he's like, I guess I should have just stayed on the ship, where he like throws that grenade and blows up all those Empire troopers. <laughs> yeah, he's just like so sassy about it. He's just like, I hope you knew that wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, and he absolutely bitch slaps Cassian when those stormtroopers <laughs> come over. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i love I that's their the only bit the only bit that i could see people disliking is like something like that because he is just being like a sassy little bitch he's being c3po but he's not as stiff <laughs> yeah no weirdly but enough he can get away with it to so c3po is the bitch slap someone out of nowhere you would be very much like whoa hang on but yeah because he's like a reprogrammed imperial droid it's probably a bit of his programming and stuff that just well he's just like yeah. a He's an absolute well, they, loose unit, really, isn't he? Yeah, they say, like, because he's been reprogrammed, like, he literally just says the first thing that comes into his senses, like... And slapping <laughs> Into circuits, boards. Off. Yeah, he doesn't have a filter, and it's so funny. So, now I can bring you to talk about Donnie Yen. Fuck yeah, Donnie Yen! Ah, <laughs> uh, this is the moment that we should have had in The Force Awakens, you know what I mean? Like, we said they got the guys from the raid and they didn't do any fighting. You've got Donnie Yen, he needed a scene where he just fucking kicked ass, even though he's a blind guy with a stick. He just wiped out an entire, like, platoon of stormtroopers. Got his counterpart, Zhang Wen, who is the guy that spoiled the whole plot of Rogue One <laughs> at Star Wars yeah. Celebration in front of us and a lot of other people. Yeah. When was... his character dies, my character finally believes in the Force, and everyone's like, wait, what the fuck? Did he just... Yeah. <laughs> Alan Tudyk's face in that moment. He's like, oh, shit. And it was being live-streamed out, and it was... You've got to give credit to, like, Kathleen Kennedy and stuff, who just totally played it off like an absolute pro. But when... They just, like, fucking switched conversation. But when they the just audience away from it. gasped and were like, wait, what? 
And you know then, what? I don't, yeah. I don't think that actually made it out on the live stream. It didn't. There was a bit of no. a delay. They edited they cut out. the mics, I think, yeah. No, they edited the whole bit out. It's like so seamless. It's not in there. Like the whole thing just is gone. So, yeah, they managed to sort that out pretty quick. But uh, you can't blame him. It was such a language barrier. They probably just said well, to him beforehand, oh, don't spoil anything in the film. And you know, he was like, that's not a spoiler. I'm just going to talk about it. Well, that. somebody actually spoke to him and Donnie Yen about this afterwards. So they both come from like Asian cinema. And over there, especially the guy who plays Baz, he is Chinese and comes from Chinese theatre. So like when they're doing press for a film, like they'll tell you pretty much everything about the film. So he's come from never like having to worry about spoilers or anything and just like telling people about his character motivations type thing and like what informs his character and stuff. And that's what he's doing. Like he's trying his best. Like you said, there is a language barrier there as well. Mm. So he's like, he's using what English like, he knows and stuff to like discuss. Like he's trying to get more in depth in his character and stuff. He's like, oh, my guy's like fallen away from believing in the force and all this sort of stuff. And then to him, it was just like a normal thing. Like he didn't think he was doing anything bad. He thought he was just, like, giving a good description of his character and everything. And if that was in China, nobody would have batted an eyelid. But because, like, this is such Western spoiler culture, this is a new Star Wars film. I can't believe that that made it onto Vanity Fair, that he spoiled that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Vanity Fair cover everything now. It's one of them. I, I kind of felt like with... Obviously, Donnie Yen's an absolute legend in this, kicking up sand and troopers faces and full ip man also his stick is also a blaster that's strong enough to take out a fucking tie fighter it's like a, it's like a weird like <laughs> what what it? the fuck's this stick <laughs> <laughs> why aren't more people using this fucking stick yeah i kind of felt like with with these characters are bays anyway there was parts where you could tell that his communication and stuff wasn't as strong as what it should be and we saw that at I felt maybe what would have maybe worked a little bit more because there were these guardians of the wills, weren't they? But maybe if he spoke like a different language, like maybe like a a native language or something. Possibly a Star Wars version of Chinese, almost like like using English syllables type thing. Yeah, if they made it like Chinese in origin, but it was an alien language. Yeah, it might have just elevated his character from being like one of the weakest characters that I'd say was in the film to just one of the more interesting ones. Yeah. So, um, I think I think the biggest issue with this film is the supporting cast didn't get enough fleshing out. Like Donnie Yen had a bit of, of fleshing out, but then like Riz Ahmed and Baze didn't really get much fleshing out. Yeah, I think it's because you met the Guardians of the Wills in the bloody market where they were like trying to read people's fortunes for money. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just kind of underplayed them a little bit. I think that if you had that setup where they were doing something a little bit more important or maybe something a little bit more mystical or something, I don't know, rather than just basically like sitting on the street because they're not really guarding any wills there, are they? Yeah. Let's be honest. No, um, no, I think, well, their temple had been like destroyed and stuff and it had been scavenged yeah. for the things. Maybe they? they were like hunting Kyber or they, maybe if they were trying to recover the Kyber or something rather than well, Saw Gerrera's Well, he was asking for the necklace, wasn't he? And that necklace is a Kyber crystal, isn't it? Yeah, to tell, he said he'd tell her his fortune. <laughs> he's yeah. A, he's a, yeah. just a... Like, like I would have more been interested in like why Bays fell away from the religion. Like, like he says that he used to be one of the most devoted followers, but now like he doesn't care about it. And now he's like obviously he's not a monk anymore type mm-hmm. thing. He's got a big old fucking gun. It's probably a like, comic book series there that we're missing <laughs> out on. Yeah, we need the Bays and Turret spin-off comic. Anyway. When that Death Star hits, oh. have you noticed that both times the Death Star hits in this film, it's silent or it's really quiet? 
and it's not like yeah. as loud and hard hitting as what it is in the a new hope and empire and what have you i also i love the way that they shot it like they bring back the imagery that we all know like the guy in like the weird helmet like yeah. pulling the triggers and everything like that the two guys stood with no railing next to the fucking laser they're definitely getting some sort of like cancer or radiation poisoning from it but then you've got <laughs> like that new style of shot where you see the explosion hit it's very mm. much like a nuke hits, like old timey nuke yeah. hitting a desert footage. But there's the bit where um, it pans up from the debris, and you see the Death Star literally hovering above the planet. It's like yeah. such a cool image. This is the first time we've not seen it from an orbital point of view as well. This is the first time we've seen it, like, and people are in amongst it, like they're trying to outrun it. What do you think about like the tentacle monster thing that? reads people's minds or gullet i know a load of people hated that apparently like i they didn't bother me that much Meh, it's what it is isn't it 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 took up like 10 seconds of screen time why are people so pissy about it yeah it didn't really it's not like the creatures from the force awakens no it didn't bother me at all to be fair it was just literally just one of those things so it's yeah it just felt like the star wars version of a true serum type thing yeah or like a lie detected test wasn't it yeah and it was just an extremist thing that saw Guerrero was doing that's essentially all it is of course he's got a caged up thing kind of gave Bodhi like a bit more of an interesting character to play after that as well yeah it was like then like he already sort of had PTSD essentially from this also right so this is the one bit that I does upset me about like the script of this film a little bit so we see Jeddah get exploded and they all fly away and stuff like that and then they instantly just sort of ignore what happens and go to the conflict between like Jin and Cassian again type thing like mm. building up their like them butting heads you've got three people in that ship there whose entire planet and people and like race have just been destroyed like mm. an entire like ancient religion's just been destroyed and it basically just like lingers on Baz looking out the window for a second and then Donnie Yen asking what happened like that's all you get like there's it felt like those characters should have had like a moment in that bit but they didn't really get the moment because it just flipped back to cassian and Jin. yeah it's one of those things where it's like they're probably just trying to shove the film along there was probably mm. they probably filmed more of that and then just didn't keep it in yeah i was surprised how af- how quickly reading back at my notes that you get the death star fire you get the shot of them up on the actual death star and then it it literally flicks then to krennic going to vader's castle to cry to vader about how he wants to get credited for yeah because the... grandma tarkin's basically just there like yeah your guys keep failing at shit like i don't care if you've just made the fucking death star work i'm gonna yeah. take credit for it because you failed a couple of times yeah and then you get the absolutely iconic and just i can't believe this of all the films that made it into it made it into a spin-off film but vader's, you got vader's castle castle yeah Ugh. You got the fucking castle. You got Vader coming out of the back to tank, mm-hmm. and then you've got him greeting Crush. Just so sick, yeah. And it's got the best dad joke. Yeah, everyone was saying it's just there, like, why is Vader making fucking puns? It's like Vader's like said a few witty things in the original trilogy, and like Anakin was saying fucking witty shit all the time. So yeah, and it's a young Vader, really, isn't it? It's like, yeah. well, I mean, it's it's younger. It's a more it's the young, well, Vader. it's pretty much the youngest version that we've seen of it. Yeah, except for the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, try not to choke on your aspirations, director. 
And like, like, like that's that's a fucking good line. That's just a fucking good line. Like he could have said that really fucking menacingly. He kind of played it a little bit wittier, which didn't bother me. It seems to have bothered a load of people. And I'm like, fucking why? Mm. Why? Like I seem to have different complaints about this film than everybody else does. <laughs> let's let's talk Vader now, right? Everybody knows it. Oh, this is the best yeah. Vader aside from what we've got in video games and stuff. That is just absolutely cleaning up shop, just force throwing people onto the ceiling and cutting them in half and stabbing just, them through doors and shit. Yeah, it's just nuts in it. It's like that was the one moment that everyone went and what rewatched Rogue One for. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like I remember when that was happening it. as well. Like our cinema was going mental. It's an absolute crime. There was actually more Vader in this than what we got in the film. It's madness. Absolute madness. Having him used sparingly and in a menacing way when he is in it was good. Like, like you don't want to like because otherwise. Krennic's not really a big threat then if you just have Vader running around the entire time. He he himself isn't the threat. It's his it's his bodyguards yeah. and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the Empire as a whole. But he's the man with the finger on the trigger, essentially, so Anyway. Right. What what do we get after that? Um An amazing space fight. After that we go to the planet with uh Jin Urso's dad, Galen Urso on, don't we? Yeah, I, I I honestly made no notes at this bit. I was yeah, just... so I I had to go back to work at this point, so I was working while I was watching it, so I didn't make any notes. Like, the, it's quite an interesting scene for Cassian. Yeah, it's one of them. I, there was like not much. It was just what it was. Like, it was just uh, it was obviously to show that Galen come out clean about leaking the details of the Death Star. Cassian's yeah. true intent was to kill him as he got told by that general on Yavin. And then Jin's like, why were you going to kill my dad? And he was like, blah, 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 blah. That's the reason why. And she was like, all right, then. He's dead yeah. anyway. <laughs> I don't think it's quite like that, but okay. Like, this is the peak of Cassian's arc. Like That's the Sam-splanation of it. <laughs> yeah. That's Sam's elevator pitch, which just sort of, like, downplays Cassian's entire character arc, which is, like, he's had to do fucking bad shit for the Rebellion, like... He is, at the end of the day, still only taking orders, and there's no good side in war. Like, the crux of Cassian and Jin's, like, plot lines in this is, like, she doesn't care about anything, and she thinks because she's not doing anything that people care about, then it's not hurting anyone. Like, yeah. And he says, like, you can't just care about the rebellion when it suits you, like, when your dad's involved. What makes it so important to you now? Like, we've all lost people. We've all done things that we didn't want to do. But he's like, I made the decision there. I could have pulled the trigger and I didn't. So, like, don't give me shit. Like, I, I still have a moral compass at the end of the day. I'd say that the absolute staple point of this is definitely that space fight at the end. For the last, like, bit of this film, I literally wrote Amazing Space Fight, the Hammerhead Corvette, Star Destroyers smashing into each other, another Death Star shot, <laughs> and Vader. That's it. That's yes. it. It's the so, end of my notes. Like, yeah, th- this whole Scarif, like... This final act is a lot longer than I remember it being, but it's fucking good, man. Yeah, like, it is good. Just like visually, like dogfights happening in the sky when the X-Wings show up and you've got the, uh, I can't remember what model of TIE fighter they are, but they're a different model of TIE fighter. Like you've got them dogfighting in the thing and then like one of them gets shot down and like it lands and like that transitions into the next scene with the next group of rebels on the ground. Like I just think the way that entire fucking final act is shot is fucking amazing yeah it's shot like a war film and it? it's wicked yeah everything that you just said happens like they get the plans they manage to transfer them 
all the time, fucking all our main characters are fucking dying here. This is a Disney-ass fucking Star Wars film, and this gets dark. Like, every character that we've grown to care about in this film dies. They're some weird-looking boffins. Right, okay, so I think I actually checked this out, like... The Bothins is about the second Death Star, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. I think it is, yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. We sent that meme to each other. Many Bothins died, and then, like, it's a picture of Jin so just, like, she doesn't look like a fucking Bothin. Yeah. Like, but when I was watching the original trilogy, she says that about the second Death Star. So mm. everybody, like, kicking off online is just there, like, shut up. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. It's like, yeah. But you have Baze's character arc come full circle and everything like that. You've got cameo from the kid from Rizzle Kicks. Um, yeah, he's in this. There's a few like really cool shots in this as well. Like, so you have the confrontation with Krennic at the top. And it's sort of like the Scarlet Witch versus Thanos moment, and he's just there, like, I don't even give a fuck. I don't know who you are. Like, fuck off. And she's just there, like, I'm, I'm the daughter of Galen Erso. It's just sort of like Thanos. She's just like, you took everything from me. I don't even know who you are. He's like, I thing. don't even give a shit. And then he goes to shoot yeah. her anyway and Cassian saves her. But you, but you get that epic moment like when he's bleeding out on the ground and like just as the Death Star's coming and he looks up as the Death Star comes yeah. over the horizon. It's oh, like, that's a fucking shot, isn't it? That's a fucking shot. It's like he's oh. destroyed by his own greatest achievement. Yes. It's like, bam. Yes. Get wrecked, Krennic. But oh, it's a good end just... scene. It's a good, good wrap up. Oh, I, you know what? I don't it's mind. Just the, it's just that that like fucking shot of the Death Star coming above the horizon, and it comes yeah. up so quick. Like you can tell it's a space station now, not just like a fucking moon floating about through space. Like this thing's got speed and it's got power, and like like this is the most menacing the Death Star ever feels. Yeah, look, I really enjoyed the last stack to this film. It was yeah. wicked. There's so much like visual goodness in the yeah. end of this film. So many things that you've wanted to see in a Star Wars film happen in this fight. You think that they've got the plans and they're all going to escape and you're like, right, okay, we we realise who the loss is in this film now. It's everyone left down on the planet and stuff like that. Yeah. So they all turn around to jump into fucking hyperspace. Boom! Fucking Darth Vader's ship fucking appears out of hyperspace just as the other guys are flying uh, into it and just fucking crushes the yeah. shit out of them. Yeah, like, and you get uh, that scene and yeah, it's uh, wicked. It's so wicked. It's such uh, a good rap. It's like it's like the la- it's like a last little bit when you think it's all finished. It's like we're just gonna give you this little bit of action because we know you're all gonna freak out seeing Vader on screen, but Prime Vader on screen yeah. just yeah tearing up shop and then like that, obviously, that it... shot of him is like they detach so they've clearly like grabbed oh no they're on the um the capital ship aren't they the rebel capital ship and they go into the tanton four underneath yeah yeah yeah. and like he's stood on like the docking bay just like overlooking space oh, like so you've just good. got vader with like this destroying like exploding planet underneath him and a ship escaping and you're like this guy's about to fuck shit up and his stormtroopers are only just catching up with him at this point yeah <laughs> it's like yeah I, and we all know that that scene leads directly into a new hope and you're just like this guy's pissed yeah <laughs> it's good and then you get vader in a new hope and he's like five wooden planks taped together with the way he walks it's just like oh 
He was so cool five minutes ago. He's still kind of cool <laughs> And it's now. the fact that they're just there like, oh, we were just on a diplomatic mission. It's like, fuck off, I just saw you escape from the scene yeah. of the crime. It's like he slipped a disc between Rogue One and A New Hope. <laughs> yeah, it was pulling that door open at the end was just a bit too much for him. Yeah, all that force throwing people up in the air and choking Took people. Took it out of him. He's that's only why... half a man nowadays. He's I more know. robot than man. And that's why he had to physically choke that guy in A New Hope. He ran out of force power. He had to wait for his force to regenerate, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, his, uh, his force abilities have depleted. He needs, like, a stim pack from BD1. Or yeah. Hand me a stim, BD. <laughs> he w- no, but he, right. was like, he was like, hand me a stim, R2. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, no, R2. So, well, I'll tell you what. Because this is part of our May for Star Wars, would you give this a Star Wars or a Star Wars? This is a Star Wars. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. My question for you is: Shoot. so we we know there was like probably three different versions of this film in total. There was the original script, which had that end scene. Vader actually cut through all of our protagonists in that hallway. So we had like Donnie Yen, we had Felicity Day, and stuff like that. They make it off the planet and they make it into that ship, but then they're the ones that get cut down passing the thing along. Wait, what's this? Was this a... This was the original draft of the script, apparently, but apparently that was a bit too dark, seeing Vader just, like, cut all our heroes to pieces. So what? Well, hang on. They made it onto the ship. They escaped, yeah, they, and he, yeah, he's they the one who cuts the them The planet down. didn't get blown up, yeah. No, or you know what? Didn't get blown I, up until no, afterwards. I don't like that. I don't like it. Yeah. I liked what we yeah. got, him just tearing through rebel troopers. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So then, like, because this film went under heavy reshoots as well, would you have rather have seen them have to cross the Scarif beaches and stuff that we saw in the original trailer. You know, like when you've got Galen and Cassian going up against the AT-80, getting more AT-80 action and stuff like that. Yes. That, that final thing was like the tower wasn't the Citadel that they were in. They had to get the plans from somewhere else and then make it over to the Citadel to then climb it. Yes. I think I, that would have been cooler. I agree. I think that would have been a lot cooler because you had that shot of her running these plans across and it would yeah. have just it would have just added probably so much more tension into it. Well, I think the main team were together more. So yeah. I think like they would have all been there for like the death of each other and it would have just come down to Cassian and Jin. And I think that would have made that final confrontation with Krennic a bit more impactful as well. Yeah, and plus, I would want to see that shot of Krennic and what was going on. Because he's and wa- we also had the, the shot of Jin staring down a fucking TIE fighter as well. Yeah, I think that was the same thing at the tower, because she gets shot by a TIE fighter, but it, she doesn't stare it down like she does in the actual film. Mm. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that, because it looks like Krennic's like, literally like walking through the battle to get to yeah. them. So yeah, I would have thought that would have been sick. So yeah, yeah, I think he probably would have got his hands dirty a bit more there as well. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, like definitely. fucking, he's got a road death troopers in front of him, and he's just like shooting with like a a pistol blasting rebels in the back type thing. So from Rogue One to another Star Wars story to another one, you could say to another solo, more solo than thing. the number one. Solo. The origin of numero Han Solo, uno. numero uno. What were your thoughts on the intro for this one then? So this had its own version of the crawl, which I think was fine. It kind of like set up what was happening because otherwise it would have been a bit confusing in that first let, scene. But it was literally a crawl that just explained the first thirty seconds of the film. Yeah, let me let me get something straight. Right, you've not watched this film since you saw it in the cinema, have you? Yeah. What was your thoughts watching it second time round? I feel like I enjoyed it more in the cinema, and I think that's something Ooh. to be said about the cinema going experience. Like I did 
enjoy it more. Like, it felt very all over the place watching it this time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's I awkward. enjoyed it a lot less. I enjoyed it a lot more this time round. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, after watching Clone Wars, I think I enjoyed this a lot more. Mm, no. It like... added a lot more weight to Crimson Dawn. It added a lot more weight to conversations that they have that involve things like the Pikes and stuff. Um, yeah, stuff like that, like... My understanding of it was a lot more. I'm going to be honest. It didn't really make it any better for me. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. The fandom really poisoned this film for me after I watched it in the cinema. I enjoyed it in the cinema. I think when we walked out, you and Richard were a bit like, meh, it was all right. I think watching it back again without all that poisonous fandom that had been around this film, I actually really enjoyed it this time round. So you've had the same arc with this that I had with Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Yes, basically. But, well, kind of, yeah. I suppose I didn't didn't like it as much, but I only based that around other people's opinions. Like, and you got to think, this film went through as much bloody directorial trouble as what Rogue One did. I think this one got hit worse by it, to be honest. There's some things that were glaringly obvious to me were like, mishmash of different creatives so what was your thoughts on han's origin so like uh corellia han what was your thoughts on that the bit with lady proxima and stuff like that like when you start to think about it like it kind of doesn't make sense like she's meant to be like a jab of the hut type thing but also if she can't leave that pool of fucking water or go out in the daylight how the fuck she's such like a menacing thing you mean the grumpy like... lady from monsters inc yeah it was edna mold wasn't it <laughs> yeah basically yeah. yeah yeah what you're saying but it's only like how jabber doesn't really yeah. physically go anywhere, does he? Because he's a big fat No, but like, but like Jabba's like, he's part of the Hut clan and stuff like that. Like, it, it, I don't know. The I don't know. But, but it's not it's not the Huts the, themselves that are menacing, it's their control, which is probably exactly. a similar yeah. thing with like Lady Proxy. It basically sets up that this woman only controls a load of fucking kids. <laughs> like, that's what yeah. the opening thing is. It's just like she takes in stray kids and then the kids go out pickpocketing and it's like... Like the Artful Dodger type thing, like, from Oliver, but it's like, oh yeah, he's like this, but he controls the entire fucking underworld of this planet. It's like, does he? And also, it's midnight when he gets in there, it's like dead of night, and then five minutes later, it's the middle of the day. Yeah, that's a good Like, when he breaks that window, (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, what? Yeah, yeah, like I never thought about that. (laughs) I like the bits where they're driving and stuff like that. Like, they could have just got rid of that, and maybe, like, they were just on the run because him and Kira, isn't it? I, I keep going to call her Kiora, and that's Kiora. from something else. That's, that's, I think a, that's from, like, Destiny or no, something. No, that's, that's, uh, that's a fucking black current drink, Kiora. Uh, is, is that Kiora? I thought that was something else. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. If they were just, like, petty thieves that had, like, a wanted bounty on the head or something like that, and they were trying to escape, like, I feel like that would have been a lot better. Well, they like, weren't, were they? They were, they were trying to get coaxium. That was that was the point you had at the beginning, yeah. that he was trying to steal coaxium from people. It's like how the kids are like the eyes and ears on the streets. You know what I yeah. mean? It's that kind of yeah. thing. So Yeah. Um, I thought it was fine. The the one bit I didn't like was how he got his name. I, I feel like it would have been more Han Solo if he gave the name to himself. Yeah, I get that. I like think, when he yeah. was just there, like, oh, I've got no people. It's just like, Solo. You know what that scene should have been? It should have been him say he, he is a solo, like solo is second name. And then the recruiter should have just made like a joke about, well, that makes sense considering that you've got no one or yeah. something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that would have been funny. Yeah. 
Oh, you're all by yourself. You got no people. What's your name? Solo. <laughs> yeah. Or he just whispers to himself and goes, <laughs> "Good one." Or something like yeah. that. Like that yeah. would have been nice and tasteful for Star Wars humor. That yeah. Been good. That felt like the Rogue One moment, didn't it? It was like, "Oh, look, this is this is how he gets his name, guys. This is the moment of the film where we say the name of the film, type of thing." But like, it just didn't feel nearly as good as Rogue One did. Like Rogue One kind of felt a bit more natural. Yeah. Felt a bit forced this moment. I I'll- did like though in that moment when you see the propaganda for like head this way to sign up for the Imperials. Uh, they've got the Imperial March playing in a major key rather than a minor yeah. key, so it sounds more positive. Yeah, I liked that. That was a good yeah. little nod, wasn't it? Like I already knew his origin, like he was a pilot in uh the Empire and stuff like that, and then he defected and stuff like that, and he saved to his life all that well, sort of stuff. So del- I knew what a, happened. Yeah, there's a deleted scene where he is in the pilot's academy and he, he does something. I was about wrong, to say yeah. I wish we could have seen a bit more of that other than like it, it is a pretty cool, like, smash cut into him being a mud trooper, like, in the trenches, which is pretty cool. But we didn't see him being a pilot, which is his entire backstory, is he was a pilot in the Empire. But you also wouldn't have had the beautiful transition of going from, we'll have you flying in no time, to him flying through the air from an explosion, which is yeah. very, very good editing, I've got yeah. to say. Yeah. show don't tell, isn't it? And he's just there, like, oh, yeah, I got kicked out of being a pilot because I had my own thoughts. yeah. Like, the Empire trench warfare bit's pretty cool. Yeah. When that ATST drops in from like the the ship, yeah. like it fucking crashes down and just starts charging forward. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, and it, More. it was. It was <laughs> this is Sam's awe moment. Mine was the fucking Death Star over the horizon. Sam's like, whoa, yeah. ATSTs, man. Like that felt a lot more like how we see it in like the Mandalorian and stuff like that, and like. It's seeing the Imperials, like seeing the Mud Troopers without face masks, like not all of them are faceless. Enemies, yeah, it humanizes you know I mean? them a lot more, doesn't it? Yeah. The more nasty ones, apart from the commanders, have masks on in this as yeah. well. So it's quite interesting, really. It yeah. humanizes the ones that are getting, um, you know, the short end of the stick, and then it yeah. uh, masks the ones that are actually the eviler ones. So it's yeah. a, an interesting little yeah, choice. So, of... uh, that, so that, that was the bits that I really liked, and then it started getting to, like, bits that i didn't like <laughs> oh come on there's more that you've got to have liked than, no than no just no that. like there are other bits but like i just like noticed in this moment it's just there like we we were only like 20 minutes into the film and hannah's left his home planet left the woman that he loves joined the empire become a pilot got kicked out of being a pilot now he's a mud trooper and then all of a sudden he was on a he had saved i just paused it as him and chewie were escaping it's 24 minutes in and we've just rushed over Han and Chewie's first introduction and everything like that. We've been introduced to loads of characters, which at this point we didn't even know the names. We were just meant to like, like be interested in like Woody Harrelson's crew and stuff like that. And then like they die like three minutes after that, and we're meant to give a shit about them, and we just don't. I wasn't happy with how they rushed Han and Chewie's moment. Like I felt like that should have been a bit more built up to type thing. Like Han and Chewie just sort of like. They're, they're just rushed into it. No. No, they're things the whole film. You see that relationship develop. They 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 don't have any choice at that point. They've got to use each other to escape. It's just like as soon as they're out the pit and like they get on the ship, they're just all of a sudden like best mates when they're in the fucking shower together. <laughs> no, they're not. They have that moment afterwards where they're like, what's your name? And then they're starting to build that connection up throughout the know. film. I don't know. I feel what? like I've I've seen I've seen their relationship 
like the origins of their relationship done better before is what yeah. it is. Look, like I in all the expanded universe stuff, they've done this story about four or five times. And I think that every time, like their relationship's been more sincere. Yeah, but if, yeah, rushed. but that's because you've got the comparison of the stuff from the expanded universe. I feel like if this was the, let's say for example, this came out right after Empire Strikes Back, or let's say right after Return of the Jedi. Right, if they had done this origin film for Solo a lot sooner afterwards, then without having all that stuff where it had been done before, and you yeah, released this... Know, e- no, but you released this exact <laughs> film. Ifs and buts were candy and nuts, the world would be yeah, a much but sweeter that's place, like but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> but, there's a, but they did it better in the expanded universe. But it's like, yeah, yeah but it's not done bad in this, it's just because it's compared to that. That just tarnished my opinion, is knowing that there's a better version of it out there. Yeah, I don't know, man. When I watched this, I really, like, was... I really surprised... I'm, look, when any Star Wars fans are probably going to unsubscribe, because of my opinion on this now but <laughs> i honestly my opinion of solo beforehand watching this was very much influenced whether i was aware of it or not was influenced by the fandom 100 percent. and i think now that i'd gone back and watched it myself it gave me the chance to have a bit more of my own opinion on it and you know what i'm gonna say maybe apart from a few bits here and there i would say it's a pretty solid film when we first saw this, like I was defending it. I was telling people to go out and watch it. I was like, because this film, to me, it felt more like a Western. that We always hear about like when they were pitching Star Wars. The first Star Wars, it was meant to be like a space Western, space opera. You've got your gunslingers and your smugglers, and it's like the gritty side of sci-fi type thing. I was like, this had moments like that. Like The bits towards the end felt like a Western. And I just felt like they tried to do too many different things that didn't land quite well enough in this film. And when we first saw it in the cinema, I came out, I was just like, do you know what? That, that, like, it was fine. Like, because it had been slated. I was expecting it to be trash. And it wasn't trash. And I still don't think it's trash. I just, it bothers me a bit more now. Like, I think because we've watched 10 other Star Wars films before I watched this one. And I think this one is definitely near the bottom of the pile. I'd definitely say it sits above Attack of the Clones, though, to be honest. Yeah, I'd probably watch this before Attack of the Clones. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, I don't think it's the worst Star Wars film that we've ever had, but Rogue One was such a better film than this. Felt like they were ticking boxes just there, like, oh, we'll take everything that we know about Han Solo's past and we'll smush it into one film and not give any of it enough time. The f- film moved at a breakneck pace until they got to escaping the mine where they got the quaxum unrefined from and then it slowed down like mad yeah true i think the original draft of this script might have been that this train heist might have been the final act yeah but it it, is i mean how does that develop han's character the whole part of him with kira and then being betrayed by his mentor and stuff like that's character building it's like no if the train scene was what it was, because we don't know how we don't. Let's face it, we don't know what it was at the first, and we don't know how much. No, no, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But if we don't speculate what it could have been, if we take it off face value for what it was that we got, then yeah, having yeah. that big heist at the end, where at the end they make it and they decide to go their own way or something, 
then I'd probably say that this is probably a much better version of that. So, so how how this, I, I could like, sit, I could sit how, here and say that that train scene has got Kira in it and blah 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 blah, but we don't know, do we? We could just be writing our own plot. The way that like it feels to me, because like I'm trying to base it off like dialogue and stuff like that as well. Like I can almost feel the bits that Lord and Miller had, and then the bits that were rewritten afterwards by the Kazdans and stuff like that. There's certain jokes in there as well, which feel like a Lord and Miller joke, but the way they were directed don't land. Maybe the script might have been that we built up a relationship with Woody Harrelson's crew and all that sort of stuff to bring definition to their characters and stuff like that. And then if that was like the third act, like was this big heist and then they died, like everything would have a bit more weight to it, wouldn't it? And then after that, they have the showdown on the refinery planet type thing. Like it felt like that was kind of what it was because like that was probably the biggest action set piece other than the bit flying through space at the end, 25, 30 minutes into the film. It just felt weird watching it this time. But it's like how you the, have... There's still like, elements that I like. It just didn't feel It's like right. It's only like how you have Hoth as the big action set piece at the right at the start of Empire Strikes Back, though, isn't it? Yeah, but like, like that kicks into it like straight away, doesn't and it? it? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's only like how you have big character moments... At, like the second half of that film where you have the reveals and stuff but it's only like in this where you reveal is is that things aren't what they seem essentially so yeah but the train uh, sequence what is i did cool. write in this yeah the train sequence was pretty cool also i said no wonder hans blaster fucking hits like a rail gun because if you notice like because like i'm a bit of a nerd i like the background of star wars and stuff and i like the weapons in star wars so like i knew like this was like a dl h44 right uh a heavy blaster i think whereas you see like woody harrison take it apart from being in like a rifle configuration it was like almost like a sniper rifle that he breaks down to like its core components and then he passes it him as a pistol like Probably no wonder this fucking shit hits but then like when so i'm looking into, when he has it <laughs> yeah when i'm looking like into like all the expanded universe stuff it's like no like that's how the pistol comes and i was like but it was in a rifle, and I was like, "What?" So, like, I've all afternoon been like fucking researching like the weapons of Star Wars again, being like, "Is there a different version that like pe- maybe people are just called it the wrong one or what?" I was like, "You need <laughs> the solo a Star Wars story visual dictionary. That's what you. Need. That's what I do need. <laughs> I you. would take that because the design of this film is really cool. Like everything looks great." Let me just note that down for your birthday present one second. <laughs> Emphis Ness looks wicked in this film. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the theme. And and she disappears for half the film. <laughs> Again, we can't complain because she's had more action than what Phasma does and more yeah. action than what Boba Fett got in the original trilogy. Yeah. So let's count our blessings that a wicked designed character that's also got a very cool voice and their own theme yeah. gets more action in this film than either of those two characters i didn't realize it when we saw it in the cinema it's john favreau that voices rio oh yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. there's also a, a little nod in terms of nest's music theme where it's kids singing and then it turns out that she's literally like a kid at the end yeah yeah so yeah. that's a little uh foreshadowing there that i realized when i watched it back um, so then after that like it the introduction of lando i think land like donald glover is great at lando yeah i think yeah. he's better at lando than alden is as young can uh i think they're probably about I think on he, par I'd, i I, I mean, nails the characterization a lot more yeah i think he did but i think he, he wasn't he wasn't the lando that we see in was he i think he was his own lando 
much more than what it was like Billy D. Williams. The voice was very much spot on and kind of a little bit of the mannerisms, but like the whole relationship with the droid thing and I think this was Lando before he got knocked down a peg. Yeah. But it's at probably, the end of this probably, film. It's probably yeah. Han before he got like a little bit more switched on and realizes yeah. what the world's actually like. So I think yeah, well, they both kind of make it their own. Yeah. So after watching the Clone Wars and stuff, did you help connect a lot of the stuff that they talked about with the Crimson Dawn and stuff? I know you've not seen season seven. There's not a huge amount. I mean, you've probably no, already got. I'm, a, I'm lot about. Of it. I'm about to start season seven. I'm so excited. Like when they talk about the Pikes and stuff, like I can see them in my head, like the yeah. Pike Clan and stuff. And when they talk yeah, yeah, about yeah. like Kessel, I, I actually had to like keep watching also to find out whether that guy that appeared on Kessel looked like the Pike or not because I couldn't remember what his character looked like and I was like hang on do we visually get a Pike and I don't realize but no he's like he's he's kind of similar-ish but not quite spot on it did feel a lot more fleshed out like I understood like the different crime organizations a bit more it made you understand Maul a lot more when he appears anyway Mm. because I hadn't watched Clone Wars at this point so in the cinema I was like whoa Maul's here you know what I mean that's who they were talking about I felt like if we had watched all of Clone Wars up until season 6 like we would have been expecting Maul more at the end yeah because they say you know who you answer to and stuff like that and it's like if i heard that i would have actually thought more straight away but you don't think it because you've not seen it all and like there's a lot of like big space chase in this isn't there like when that star destroyer comes out through the fucking wormhole type thing yeah that's visually pretty the visualization of like the space around Kessel and stuff looks really cool. We don't have enough storms and bad weather in Star Wars, I'm going to tell you (laughs) that. There's too many desert planets and too many forest planets. Stormy stuff More Camino rainy stuff. Yeah, it's very cool. Very, 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 very cool. Yeah, so they suck a giant Cthulhu bastard into the (laughs) gravity well and then just fucking jump ship out of that. (laughs) The way it tears. Oh, yeah, skin and flesh off. Skin off of it, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Cinebit Cthulhu. <laughs> and then they just yeet some of that fucking coaxium into the hyperdrive and blast off. Imagine yeah. if instead of actually blasting off when it cuts out for a second, imagine if the Millennium Falcon just blew up and it is like... That's that moment of the film. It's like, is it going to work? I don't no, know. Ju- just flash cut to um, fucking Obi-Wan and Luke being sat in a cantina just there like, really, there's nobody fucking here that'll work with us, really? <laughs> Greedo has to and do they're, it. They're stuck on fucking Tatooine then. <laughs> it's, uh, imagine, or you actually get the Han Solo from the original screenplay instead, which is like some weird, bloody seven-foot monkey man. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. The guy that pretty much turned his Chewbacca at the end. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Uh, the droids in the spin-offs are so good again. Like, Yeah, so sassy. Yeah, like L3 is such a different kind of droid in this that I actually quite enjoyed it. It was quite refreshing yeah. after watching all of the saga films and then getting something so different. Like, Yeah, definitely. Like, she got that spot on. Like, it's so funny. Like, my girlfriend's like a massive feminist and stuff like that. And we always like rant about like, toxic feminists and stuff like this and like toxic activists in any sort of walk of life and like this l3 bot is definitely that it's just there like oh god look at you you're a slave to the system fucking like beating down these other droids because they're not liberated like she is be free it was so funny yeah like like just this hardcore activist droid 
Oh my god, Chris, you, you sound like this film might be higher than second place on your Star Wars list with the way you're talking about it now. No, it's just like, this, <laughs> there, are, there are, I never said it was trash, like, there are good bits to this, like, the characterization in this I think is the best part of it, but yeah. also, Han Solo's character arc that he learns in this fucking film is the same fucking character arc that he learns in A Fucking New Hope, so that doesn't make sense, why does he have to learn that lesson twice in life? There's a bit of time in between. <laughs> My final note is, do you think we'll ever see the sequel to this, and do you think he's just going to get beaten down in them? Um... You've got to reframe it. It shouldn't remind you of the Han Solo in Empire Strikes Back. Or, I don't know why I keep saying Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope. (laughs) It reminds me more of the hand that we get in The Force Awakens in the terms of the the mannerisms and the bit where he talks to those gangs with Chewie on his ship and stuff, you know, where he talks to the death death squads and stuff. It's more that, I think. Yeah. Kanja Club, yeah, yeah. Dole at the Kanja Club. The, 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 the way he tells it to Kanja Club. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me more of that Han than what it does the original trilogy Han. Yeah, but even that version of Han, like, that felt a bit more like a Disney version of Han. Like, normally he was, like, being, like, witty, like, offhandedly. Like, it came a bit more, like, like smooth. And then, like, in Force Awakens, like, he's, he's a bit of a dad, isn't he? He's never and, happy, like, is he? He's never happy. <laughs> Shut up! I'm allowed an opinion. <laughs> you you've had your opinion on these other films. I've got an opinion about this one. I just so they signed all these guys up to a trilogy, so they clearly thought this one's going to do well, and then like we'll finish the character arc, and that's probably why he doesn't feel like the hand. And like I'm fine with that, but it was no, just he's... the fact that it, it was the fact that the lesson that he learned in this film was the same lesson that he l- learns in the original trilogy. So why does he have to learn that lesson again? They always say the second in the trilogy is the best, don't they? Um, yep, yep. So a lot of things, yep. Potentially, Solo 2 would have been the best Star Wars film that we ever would have had. But we never will. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. See, like, I feel like... That's a Star I've... Wars sticker that needs to be made. Solo <laughs> 2 was the best Star Wars film we never got. <laughs> I feel... If this had been left with phil lord and chris miller like this film would have been better like it was at this point when we're in space and stuff like there's moments of dialogue in there and i was like that's definitely a phil lord and chris miller written line but the way that ron howard's directed it just it had that ron howardness to it and it just didn't land as well you know what they just needed to have one director for the whole film that's all they needed yeah they wouldn't have had any problems don't hire and and sack directors during production right right phil lord and chris miller have a very distinct style to them and they know how to work with it and if they're left to their own devices everything they touch is gold it's as soon as people start to interfere that things go south like we've seen this on so many projects they've been kicked off the flash now because like creative differences and stuff like that they got kicked off this because of creative differences but then you look at like the 22 uh, 21 and 22 jump street those films should have fucking sucked ass but they're great they're funny into the spider-verse when they're left to their own devices it fucking works. They know what they're doing. And the fact that they just got kicked off this project and you can still, like, you can see the fingerprints of them left. But it's just not their film. Amen, bro. Amen. Fucking, let me tell them how it is. Movie studios, <laughs> sit down, let me tell you. Right? If you get a visionary, you fucking let him do what they're doing. Edgar Wright, just give him money and leave him to do his shit. Get Dave Filoni to rule all of Star Wars. Oh, give Dave Filoni a feature length. <laughs> fucking do it now give him the whole ip and let him right. control you, the direction you want to know how it. good dave filoni is 
Dave Filoni with the Clone Wars fucking animated film wasn't nearly as... I don't, I don't know if he had anything to do with that or whether he did. He wasn't as big as he was with the series. The series is so much better than the film because fucking they just left Dave Filoni to do his shit. And season seven is gold. Ah! <laughs> you need to watch it, honestly. Uh, it just pisses me off when like, like you hire these incre- incredible creatives and then you're just there like, no, you're not being creative the way I want you to. That's not what creativity is. You know, if you watch all of season seven tonight, you'll only be up till about three AM. So you can smash it. <laughs> no, like the reason I haven't watched it yet is because I don't want to watch it while I'm working. <laughs> so I'm waiting until I can just sit down, just have like a movie night to myself where I watch season seven. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap solo up. So Chewbacca actually ripped somebody's arms off. That's the next thing yep. I want to talk about. Like what? <laughs> like yep. he's literally stood there holding this guy's two arms. Like I'm just literally. Like, Everything that gets referenced about Han and Chewie in the original trilogy, you see in this film. Oh, you don't want to piss a Wookiee off, he'll rip your arms off. We see that. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally everything. Like, you see all the Sabat games that he wins the Millennium Falcon off. It's, they felt a bit like tick by numbers by the end of the film. It's like, right, get the get it in, get it in, get it I'm in. not going to call you that every single time. That's why he calls him Chewie. Another little thing that made me laugh, when they get back to that refinery planet, like Woody Harrelson's character just asks for a brandy. Kessel. Oh, the other one. The other one that yeah. they go to. Yeah, yeah. The one after it, yeah. Brandy. Yeah, he just yeah, asks for a brandy cannon. and I'm like, <laughs> brandy's a thing in space like hundreds of thousands of years ago and now it's a thing on planet Earth as well. Okay. <laughs> Should have uh, asked for some death sticks. <laughs> <laughs> just like blue brandy or something. Like, come on. <laughs> You've got blue milk. And then you got the double, triple, double, double, triple cross at the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I'm honestly, between Chewie ripping someone's arms off, my next note is Maul. And, and that's it. I'm done. <laughs> so I'm done for the film. I'm pretty much yeah. done. You know what? Like, yeah. I mean, the double, double, double cross was clever. I, I didn't mind it. I know you could have no, probably I did, seen I did, it coming I did from mind that. that bit. Yeah. 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 The, I, the bit that confused it. me as well, like, you like thinky nest like her her bit like is a really interesting thing to have in there and it's a really interesting plot point it just felt like it like her character kind of came out of nowhere at the end of this film like because you only see them at the beginning you know what i mean and like they're kind of talked about and then like at the end like you get this really poignant moment with them i was like wow that's really great why couldn't we have seen a bit more of this character (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just one of them where it's like things aren't always as they seem. And it's that whole bit in The Last Jedi where it talks about the impact of war and stuff, isn't it? Where it shows like they were impacted by the Crimson Dawn. And that's that's the result of that. You know, they're just trying to fight to survive. I feel Um, like there's a great version of this film left on the cutting room floor. Like the Snyder Cut. (laughs) <laughs> like this well we don't know we haven't seen the snyder cut yet i saw a, f- a hilarious tweet by steve zarago is a great comedian uh, he does youtube stuff he's a massive nerd i was just there like the snyder cut's finally fucking been announced i'm so excited for people to finally watch this be really disappointed about it and never talk about it ever the fuck again <laughs> <laughs> imagine if this snyder cut is amazing like just imagine right Check out to next week's episode where we're going to talk about the fucking Snyder Cut for a bit because we've got some shit to talk about. And that is going to wrap up our discussion of the spin-offs. Okay, <laughs> Solo, Star Wars or Star Wars? Hang on. 
I've got to think really carefully about this because yeah, because remember what you've given to other films. That's what I mean. I've given well, I've given Clone Wars a Star Wars, and then I gave The Force Awakens a Star Wars. What would I rather did, watch? What, I, what did you give um, Rise of Skywalker in the end? I gave it a Star Wars. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think. If I was stranded on a desert island, would I rather watch <laughs> Attack of the Clones, The Force Awakens, or Solo? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Force Awakens easily. I'd jump into the ocean, I think. No, I'd... I'd uh... <laughs> You know what? You no, I really actually... didn't like The Force Awakens on the no, last rewatch, did you? I didn't, mate. I found well, it. I'm going to be honest with myself. Based off how engaged I was watching the film, I would give Solo a Star Wars because I was more engaged watching Solo than what I was watching The Force Awakens just because just... I was just bored. Do you think that might also be because you haven't seen it in a lot longer and you don't remember as much of it, so like you were more engaged with it? Yeah, I mean, I'd also not watched The Force Awakens in a while. You know what? No, just to be controversial, I'm going to give it a Star Wars for okay. you all. We like controversy. <laughs> we like it. We like it. We like it. I'm just doing what you did to me at the beginning of the episode. I'm challenging you, challenging your opinion. All right, I'll leave that edit <laughs> in then. <laughs> I'll do it for context now, Chris. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you can take some of my rant from the beginning of fucking Rogue One out. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, yeah, what do you Okay, give I'm it? saying Star Wars. I'm giving it a Star Wars. Oh. I didn't care near enough about barely any of the characters. Like, it made me like Han Solo less. <laughs> Ouch. I was really excited to talk about Solo. I thought we were going to have like a big old reminisce about, oh, you know what? We thought it was shit, but it was actually really good. <laughs> nah, mate. Here we are. Nah, just me, mate. Just me dreaming. Yeah, like, dreaming. I, I, like I said, I feel like there's a good version of this film, A, in a different script, and B, on the cutting room floor. Okay, my question for you is, after seeing Rogue One and the Star Wars story, bear in mind how much trouble these went through production-wise and stuff, and all the the roller coaster of emotions we had leading up to it, whether we knew it was going to be shit or good, would you want to see more spin-off films versus Disney Plus series? If they treat the spin-off films with the same respect that they've treated The Mandalorian, yeah, I'd like to see them. So would you, like, for example, we're getting If that. we got another Rogue One out of it, if we got Rogue Two out of it, yeah. If we got Solo Two, no. What if you got Obi-Wan Kenobi, a Star Wars story out of it? If they left it the fuck alone like they have with the Mandalorian, yeah, give it me. Well, we're not we're not in good stead for that because they've not left it the fuck alone right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's... But they haven't really got far enough into it. Like, I think the trouble with Solo was they shot half the fucking film before they started fucking about with it. Yeah. And like we've seen multiple times that's when films go wrong is when you put people in midway through a project. With Obi-Wan, nothing's started yet really. It's just the scripting and the casting. So it, there's plenty of time to change and have a full concept there. Yeah, I reckon there's probably a reason why they're holding back on I think they've Obi-Wan. probably seen how The Mandalorian was coming out and was like, we were rushing into this and we weren't doing it right. Yeah, and also maybe they've rethought, because there's a bit of speculation on how there potentially would be a return of Hayden Christensen now. There's a quite mm-hmm. a heavy speculation on that, so hopefully... Uh, hopefully. Also speculation now that Natalie Portman's in talks to come Yes, back. yes, yes, yes. So I'm thinking hopefully the rewrites for that and the reason that they've gone back to the drawing board a little bit is to put more of that in. 
please, 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 please. Could please. you imagine? Can you imagine those three on screen together <sighs> acting well? Can you imagine it? Like, just imagine that. Like, could wow, I, what's, could that, I give what's you, that like? Could we have a moment <laughs> of wild speculation and say that what if they put live action flashbacks of things that happen from the Clone Wars animated series. That's exactly the... what I want. Oh. Anyway. I haven't seen season seven yet, but I imagine there's some scenes oh. in that one that we want to see in live action. Right. Also, well... also with live action Ahsoka Tana as well, do you reckon maybe we get her in Obi-Wan as well? If you oh. want to talk vapid speculation, we're getting her in Mandalorian. Imagine getting her in so. Obi-Wan as well. Oh, I hope so. Maybe that's why they've waited, because they have to cast her in Mandalorian first. That'd be sick. We will I want more Ahsoka Tana. That's all I want. After watching Clone Wars, that's all I fucking want. <laughs> Give us the Tano. That's what I say. Yeah. Right, we right. need to wrap this shit up, Chris. Woo! That's the spin-offs. I think we're pretty much done with every... We have done every single Star Wars film, Chris, over the... Uh, There's one Star Wars canon film that we haven't done yet, but we'll talk about that maybe in 30 seconds on a different episode. That is the animated Clone Wars film. We'll talk about that in 30 seconds. That's your review. Um, So, guys, hit us up on Twitter if you want us to cover the Battle for Endor. No, what's it called? Ewok Adventure. Um, (laughs) Let us know if you want us to do anything else Star Wars or you want us to never talk about Star Wars ever again. You can check us out on Twitter, at GetRealPod. You can check us out on Instagram, at GetRealPod. You can check us out on Facebook, GetRealPodcast. And our email address is getrealpoduk at gmail.com if you want to tell us to shut the fuck up about Star Wars. That's where you do it. It's finally about to happen, though, because I think we're pretty much done with Star Wars. So if you've not been a Star Wars fan, please don't unsubscribe yet because we're going to stop talking about it soon. Um, I think these have been some of the funniest episodes, but Jesus Christ, we talked a lot of Star Wars. Oh, I know, I know. It's going to be weird talking about something that isn't Star Wars. I feel like we're turning <laughs> to a Star Wars podcast. Right, yeah, and also make sure you share, give us a share, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. We're available everywhere where you get your podcasts, so make sure you head over to there. Uh, make sure you check us out on YouTube as well because all of our content is on YouTube, so if you want to put that on in the background you can do while you're working from home or what have you and maybe, there will be maybe you put the playlist on loop so we get loads of views whoa <laughs> don't be giving people crazy ideas like that do it maybe you put uh, the podcast let's... on spotify on repeat <laughs> and play it lots and lots of times and maybe spotify will offer us a hundred million dollars to uh us to move over to wow exclusively anyway let's wrap it up thank you very very much for listening checking us out and we will catch you next week bye so if they gave us like a hundred million dollars like how much star wars merch would you buy with that i would buy a fucking lot of star wars merch. i would buy 99 million dollars worth of star wars merch <laughs> you would leave one million dollars left left in the back pocket we'll buy a house with that yeah that, that'll be for me to live on and never work again see you later <laughs>